On this episode of Athletic Training Chat, we have Brian Regan, who is a chiropractor and an athletic trainer. Uh, this is the second uh, dual credentialed provider we have had with these two credentials, the other one being Dr. Ken Cislack. Uh This is one, again, I didn't realize is as common as it apparently is, and we talk a little bit about that with Brian, uh, but we really just get into what drove him to chiropractic school after starting out as an athletic trainer and doing a lot of really cool things uh, when he got started um, here in Wisconsin, but then also what brought him back to being an athletic trainer while still maintaining this chiropractic credential and doing that as part of his practice and how it all comes together. We also get a little bit into some chiropractic stuff, more so out of my own curiosity, uh, but I think it's good to cover because when somebody can see both sides of professions because they're in it, I think that offers a lot of really good insight. As always, we are powered by Mueller Sports Medicine. We can't thank them enough for doing what they do to help us out. Uh, please check them out for all your sports medicine needs. Uh, if you got things coming up, we're also still working slowly, but getting there on the Throw a Lifeline program to help uh, get things running with that and get another one out. Uh, and without further ado, please enjoy this episode. This episode of Athletic Training Chat, we are on with Brian Regan, which now I was saying that. Hope I pronounced that right. You got it. <laughs> Perfect. Um, somehow, a long time ago, I had this listed on a whiteboard that I needed to reach out to you uh, to have a conversation. And I don't know if that was from a mutual student athlete that we talked about um, previously, or I just happened to see that you had this uh, chiropractic and athletic trainer dual credential um hadn't gotten to it yet and then as we were talking off air got to interview uh dr ken c slack who i went in thinking chiropractor hold on held on to the at credentials because i think i've only met one other dcat in my career and they were heavily on the dc side um not so much on the at which to me made sense uh but um Ryan uh, has contributed to our Throw a Lifeline program, which we're still going strong, trying to get rolling on that one. So thank you for that. But then Absolutely. also spurred the opportunity to have a conversation uh, and just kind of being in a little bit different part of your career um, than Ken. Uh, we'll have some good conversation there, but then also some of the stuff you've done already um, within your AT career has been awesome as well. So I think it'll all be good information. But before I keep rambling, I'll turn it over to you to just give a little bit more of your background, kind of um, what you've done in AT and kind of how you landed where you are currently. And then we'll jump into some of the questions. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it was one of my former athletes that I, I believe he went to UWL that after he left me, it was like, you got to meet this guy. You got, you'd love his stuff. And I, I think it was clinically pressed that he was bringing up. Yep. I don't know if athletic training chat had, had existed yet. Probably not yet. Um, 
So um, yeah, I'm, I'm uh, in Dubuque, Iowa. I, I work at um, Dubuque Hempstead High School. Um, I'm, I'm a Dubuque native. I went to Clark University for my undergrad. Um, after that, I honestly, it's kind of weird that, you know, I'm standing, sitting, standing, sitting in front of you as a, as a chiropractor because I honestly wanted to work in the performing arts uh, as, oh. as an athletic trainer when I first started. Um, I was really hoping, and then I'm sure I, I hope somebody from Indiana University who got into that program is, is listening to this, but um, I really wanted to get into the Indiana U University athletic training program because they, they had it specifically for the performing arts. Um, and so that fell through. Not to say I wasn't a great student, but I know my GRE was, was not the best. Um, and so after athletic training school, um, I ended up, you know, I had a few interviews um, and then, you know, just a few offers for GA positions. And I ended up at Eastern Illinois, Eastern Illinois University. Uh, and I worked at a high school, uh, just as an outreach, uh, Paris Cooperative High School for one year. It was kind of a crazy master's program. And with, it was, I think, uh, 15 credits, 15 credits, and then six credits. So it was a one year and done. Um, and I think we were one of the last years allowed to do it because they were sick of having to keep finding athletic trainers for these positions. So, um, I was, it was super awesome. Cause it was, I was down there. Um, it was quick. Um, it was rough, but it was quick. And then, um, I got hired back home, Southwest Wisconsin. So, um, it was a perfect right place, right time, uh, wanting to move back home. And there was really like none of the local high schools were, were hiring. And I don't think any of the colleges were hiring. They might've been, but I wasn't necessarily interested in that setting. And a hospital was hiring to do exactly what I was currently doing, you know, outreach athletic training. Um, they had just gotten a, a new CEO and he's still there and he's still an awesome guy. Um, and they had recruited an orthopedic surgeon. And so they wanted to boost their sports medicine uh, department. And their goal with that, which I thought was awesome, was to expand their athletic training services. And so I went in there and I, I covered two high schools between between uh, my my one sh, uh, full time position was split between high, two high schools, and then after the first year, the CEO came in and was like, "We need more high schools." Like, so it was me and the the PT department head, and we went out and recruited two more high schools and hired another athletic trainer. Nice. And in the middle of that you know, word got out of, of how our service was and what we were offering and, and, and the agreements that we had with our schools and two more schools recruited themselves to our, to our hospital. Um, and so by the time I was there, uh, I would say probably about two years in, we had six, six high schools and three athletic trainers. I mean, it was, it was, it was pretty cool. And we were, we were operating under the PT department, which was, you know, fantastic. We all had good relationships. Um, and then, um, you know, the, I feel like Dan, the CEO kind of got an itch and he's like, we need a sports performance facility. And I had a master's in exercise science and I had a CSCS and I'm like, you need to find me one of these CEOs. He probably will never listen to this podcast. And if he does, I hope I get a text message over it. But, um, <laughs> yeah, he, he was awesome. Absolutely awesome. He's still there and he's still doing great things for us for this hospital. Um, and actually I mean, total side note, we actually, so we live in Dubuque, which is 25 miles away. We loved our experience up there, both as an employee. My wife is an employee up there. We actually delivered our, our two children up there because okay. um, it, so, it was so awesome. So we drove, I mean, 
my wife's going into labor and I'm like, all right, get in the car, half an hour drive. It was super awesome. The hospital's fantastic. Okay. Um, everybody, everybody in that area is, is, is super fortunate to have the resources that they do. Um, so he, he wanted to put in this, this sports performance facility and I'm like, okay. And uh, we, <clears throat> we designed, uh, um, implemented, uh, programmed, like did the whole thing. Um, and in the middle of it, we had yet another high school that only wanted, they wanted halftime, um, uh, halftime, they wanted football covered and a little, like just a few extra, you know, few extra things covered more PRN. And sure. so we hired yet another athletic trainer to come on. And then I took over that part-time contract and then that sports performance facility. Um, so, I mean, it was crazy. It was a crazy three years. Um, and just again, right place, right time, like to get to, to get to experience all of that. Um, it was, it was absolutely awesome. So then with all that, uh, being young and being like, I just don't know. I mean, it was a lot, right. I mean, Uh three new employees and they're all my age. Um, uh, you know, seven contracted high schools. And then this, this now uh, sports performance facility. I mean, I was working, <clears throat> I'd go into the hospital at nine, 10 o'clock in the morning and I would leave at nine, 10 o'clock at night. Um, it was a lot. And, and, it, and it was you know, a little bit you know, like wearing on me. I'm like, I can't do this forever. And so I had, um, I had the, uh, there, were, there were essentially two thoughts in my mind for what I wanted to do. Um, I l- considered PA school, um, and not just, so there were three, right. But with my previous background, as far as my education, the one was kind of knocked out. So, uh, I was fortunate to go to an undergraduate program that had both AT and PT. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I got to experience some of the things that, that the PT realm, you know, was able to give or, or deliver. Um, and I, I didn't really see that fitting for myself. And I, and I, and I know, like, I see them all the time on Twitter and I see them all the time on social media. There's definitely, you know, guys and girls in the PT world that are doing exactly what I thought I could have been able to do. Sure. Um, but I just, for, you know, that juncture of my time, I was like, I just don't know that that would be possible. So I was really between PA and DC. Um, and where I was undergrad, as far as grades, I kind of figured there were a few classes that I, I knew that I was going to take because I didn't take. And then there was a class or two that I was like, well, to be really competitive, I should probably retake this class. And so I was looking at, you know, taking probably two classes in the fall and two or three classes in the spring to then apply to a program that I don't know that I'm going to get into versus going to chiropractic school uh, and being able to start it and get that year out of the way, which that PA year could have been, or that prep for the PA could have been wasted. So, um, so I, you know, I, I visited and, and I talked to them and I kind of explained those differences and they looked at my transcripts and they were like, yeah, like you would have no problem. Um, and so, yeah, it was, it was, you know, the middle of February and I just, you know, in the middle of, of all that awesome excitement expansion and everything, I just was like, I need a change. And, and so that's what it was. And, um, I, I had kind of made up my mind that when I went, I was going to step away, or at least I told myself I was going to step away from the athletic training world to 
really focused on chiropractic that I was going to be, you know, I would, I'm going to be a chiropractor. I'm not going to be an athletic trainer. Plus like I'm going to be a chiropractor. And so I got down there and I, you know, I toyed with the idea. And even when I got it, got into the area, I went on some hospital systems and was looking at PRN, you know, do I go cover Friday night football? Do I go, um, you know, do I go try to work out of a clinic and, and do something? Um, and it wasn't, it wasn't three, three days before I was on campus that I got recruited to cover rugby. <laughs> so, um, so being at chiropractic school, uh, they, Palmer in, in the quad cities, Palmer Davenport has a division one men's and a division two women's program. Um, and so at the time there wasn't pro rugby when I was there, there's now pro pro level rugby. Um, and the men's team division one was like the highest available, uh, was the highest available rugby. And then the women were just a tier down. Um, It was, uh, it was a pretty, a pretty wild experience. Um, saw a ton of, of, of crazy injuries, uh, a, a ton of, what just happened situations. Um, and it, it was one of those things that like, in it's still less of the day. I miss the sport. I miss the excitement of the sport. Sure. If, if you told me, and actually, you know what? I just had a, a colleague ask me if I wanted to cover a, a match in Wisconsin. And I fortunately had this, this scapegoat of, I don't have a Wisconsin license. Mm-hmm. I mean, you couldn't pay me enough to cover rugby. Well, I, I, I want to pause that. Everybody's got a number, right? Right, but, right. But you couldn't pay me enough money to, to cover it again. Um, it, was, it was fun while it lasted. Um, it was just, and I don't know if, if you're not, like, rugby culture is, is, is super unique. I mean, they will, like, literally pound, smash their faces for 90 minutes. And then they'll go and drink, at least our guys would, they'd go and drink a beer together after. So, I mean, they're all like still black eyed, bloody nose, uh, you know, mud all over them. And they're like doing like chugging beer out of their boots together. I mean, just like weird, but I I don't know, like maybe, uh, maybe I just gave away too much about, about the rugby world, but that is my limited experience with rugby, but it all sounds very, very familiar. It, it, it was it was super awesome, but at the same rate, I'm like, oh, it was it was good to be done. So, so when I was at when I was at chiropractic school, I um I I spent a lot of time um, stuttering stuttering studying upper cervical chiropractic. So I I was um I wasn't even going to practice like traditional chiropractic, you know. Um, you know, Palmer offers what they call Palmer package, which is a, a group of techniques. Um, and I, and I wasn't really planning on being even a traditional chiropractor. Like I was, I went from like, I don't want to be an athletic trainer to, I don't even want to be a, a traditional chiropractor to being all the way on this one side. And, um, I learned a ton. I learned a ton about, um, neurology, about, uh, the anatomy of the base, uh, Atlas axis, the relationship and how it can be, um, how it can be, you know, pretty detrimental. And, um, it's, it's fascinating to me and, and you've probably seen it. I mean, on, on Twitter world, chiropractors don't necessarily have the best reputation, 
Um, and some, you know, and then it, it, that's all perspective, right? And it's, mm-hmm. you know, there's not, there's always out there trainers that don't have a good uh, a reputation, right. there's yep. doctors, medical doctors. So it, you get this, you get this idea that all chiropractors fall into this. I need to see you for eight weeks at three visits. And, and, and I'm like, that's just, that's not me. That's not, and that, and that also isn't like, that isn't upper cervical either. And so that was where I kind of gravitated, gravitated towards that. Um, Cause they really like, they really do a great job of this is what's wrong structurally. Here's how we're going to correct it. So I don't know if you've had a chance to, um, oh gosh, of course I'm, I'm on air and I'm now drawing on his name. Um, Vince. That's not Vince. It's, he's an Atlas orthogonal doctor. Hmm. Oh my gosh. We're going to have to cut this, but I'm going to get back into it. Um, I'm going to look it up quick because the dudes. Uh, okay, here we go. So Jim McMahon, former NFL football player, went to an upper cervical chiropractor who practices a technique called AO. And there is a video on YouTube about him and this doctor. And the results he got were insane. And I wouldn't say insane, but wild. I mean, just this guy was like ready to, uh, you know, potentially end his life because he was in so much pain just from the pressure in his, in his head. Mm-hmm. And Scott Rosa is his name, Dr. Scott Rosa. Dr. Scott Rosa was able to deliver an adjustment to his atlas and, and Jim's response was, and it's right quoted in the video. He's like, it felt like my brain had a, a, a toilet flush, like somebody hit a plunger and it opened up and the fluid drained out of my brain. So I spent a ton of time learning neurology, uh, the relationships of the, the cerebral spinal fluid in the brain and, and what it does. And um, it, that was super fortunate for me in my current setting, because I use that, that, that I learned. Um, in my concussion protocols for sure. Um, and so all of that was, you know, although I, I dove into that and that's not where I ended up, I'm super fortunate that that's the way that I, that I got. Um, and so when I, when I went to, uh, went to graduate, once I did graduate and I went to get my own office open because that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be an upper cervical chiropractor. Um, you know, when you, when you have, as much student loan debt as I did as a, as a chiropractor and my wife was a PT um, and is have as much student loan as she student loan debt as she had. And we, uh, we had already purchased our house. We didn't really have much left, you know, or like, you know, we can't really leverage our house because there's no equity in it. We can't really leverage our only car that we have because there's no equity in it. And so I kind of did become creative. So I, I tried to scale back what I thought I needed for my office uh, as far as loans from um, banks. And, you know, maybe I would have, you know, could I have done a different route if I would have found the person that would have done the right things? I'm sure I could have. Um, but I instantly was just like, I need, I need a job, you know, and I honestly was ready to like, go be a custodian somewhere to make my ends meet. So that specifically second, uh, second or third, um, third shift so that I could still be a chiropractor and build my patient load in the, in the morning. And, 
Um, it was just one of those like right place, right time. Um, the athletic trainer at Hempstead High School, you know, left and un uniquely enough, um, she's a, 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 a friend of mine from, from our undergrad. And um, I called her and I was like, hey, why are you leaving? You know, are you um, like, is there something wrong of this position that I shouldn't apply? And um, she was like, no, like, I think it'd be great for you. And I was like, okay, I need you to, you know, put a good word in for me. And, and I had actually, um, I had a, a, a really good relationship with the athletic trainer that was there prior to her. Um, and I called her and, and it was, it was super, super funny. I mean, she's a, she was a good friend of mine, a, a clinical instructor of mine. And I had said, I'm like, I can't tell you why I need this job so bad. And then I finally paused. I'm like, okay, I'm going to tell you why I need this job so bad, but you can't tell anybody. Cause we literally, I literally told her before we told our parents that we were expecting our first child. So, um, and so I, I called her and I'm like, I don't know who you need to get a hold of, but I need this job. And I knew that she knew the athletic director really well and she knew a lot of coaches. Um, and so Megan gave me some stipulations, you know, she was like, I'm not going to recommend you if you're not going to be there for at least three years. Um, and it was super funny. The first day of fall sports year three, she was like, how's it going? Are you going to stick it out? I'm like pump the brakes. We're, we're in a good, we're in a good situation. So, um, so I actually, I did that. So, uh, within the week of, of, it, within the week of getting, finding out that, that the job was available, I had five banks turn me down. So um, my, my business plan, everyone said the same thing. The business plan's fantastic, but you don't have any assets. I'm like, thank you. I'm well aware of that. So um, going from, you know, not having, you know, any income to suddenly having this, this, this Hempstead got, uh, gig uh, was, was super awesome. Um, my first year there was fantastic. So I kind of had in my, in, in my head that I was going to get my feet wet there before I was going to do anything with my, with my chiropractic degree. Sure. Um, it was, it was good. And I'm glad that I didn't did that. I'm glad that I didn't try to like just jut out and, and do them both at the same time. Cause I, I really think it would have been overwhelming. Um, Hempstead's uh, you know, depending on the class in Iowa where our, our large school is five, depending on some sports, it's four. Um, but I, I think we are like the 20th largest school in Iowa. Don't quote me on that. Um, but we have about 1700 students. So um, I utilize uh, an EHR that allows me to track how many, how many athletes I have rostered. Um, and I have, I have about 700 athletes, um, which it would be nice some days to have a second athletic trainer in, sure. in um, but I've, I've created the right processes um, to, and I've kind of changed how I practice um, to, to, to accommodate that. So um, it's, it's, it's been absolutely fantastic. So in that, um, in that first year, you know, I met a bunch of people and I was actually able to meet a, uh, a parent of one of my athletes who was a chiropractor. Um, and one of my goals was to not work with, I didn't want to work anywhere where it was, you know, uh, a Regan chiropractic, you know, like how do you build your own practice under somebody else's name? And so I was super fortunate to meet another guy, uh, and a parent of, of one of my athletes that, um, 
his, you know, it was a, it was a no name chiropractic. So it was fountain chiropractic um, based off of a, a, a community business building that was called fountain park. Um, and, and the guy was awesome. Um, it was, it was super hard. I actually just relocated. Um, it was, it was super difficult. Um, he was, a, he was awesome to me. Excuse me. He was a great mentor. Um, but the, the, the new space that I moved into was, was more sport related. So I moved into a, the office called spine and spine and sport. Um, there's actually, so you talk about a dual credential athletic trainer, DC, uh, I share an office with a dual credential athletic trainer, DC. And I know, uh, I know, a, I know a handful of them actually, cause down at Palmer, I mean, we covered rugby together. There were, sure. there were three that were ahead of me. Um, um, Jeff, Katie, and Josh, and there were, you know, five or six behind me that I, you know, quote unquote, hired or recruited to, to finish behind us. So, uh, we're out there, we exist, I think with the master's transition, there might be a little less, but, um, but, um, you know, Dr. Ken, I mean, it was crazy listening to his story because he and I are are literally the exact same. He's just 15 years ahead of me. You know, he kind of had the same experience that, you know, when he started out, uh, the insurance got in and then it was like, if you weren't in, you weren't getting paid. Um, and so he got back in the athletic training world and, and that's where he stuck. Um, you know, so where I'm at, you know, I fell back onto the athletic training stuff and I just, I love it. I love working with kids. Um, I hope that my kids love working with me. Um, I tr- try to keep it fun, try to keep it fresh. Uh, I'm, I'm actually going to shout out to one of my athletes tonight because we were talking about being on this podcast or I was talking about being on this podcast and I show up today in these bright blue pants and these, my basketball players like, what are you doing? I'm like, it's party pant Wednesday. You, you didn't get the money. <laughs> and so Noah was like, you better bring up party pant Wednesday on this podcast. Tonight. That's hilarious. Noah, Noah, that one's for you. So, um, so yeah, within, within the last, um, Within the last year, I mean, to kind of round out for those that listen to Ken's uh, to Ken's episode, I all I started teaching some classes at a local university. As a, uh, we have three universities in town. Two have eight, or they're, I'm, I'm assuming they're still ATAPs. One's mm-hmm. transitioning. One is still transitioning to the masters. They will hopefully take their first masters cohort this summer. One just graduated their first masters cohort. And so I'm a, I'm a preceptor for both, both of those programs. And I teach six credits for a third uh, university in town um, that I teach care and prevention of, of athletic injuries and then basic human nutrition. So to kind of uh, match Ken's very unique uh, career, um, I'm right there with you. <laughs> no, actually, awesome. after, after that episode, I actually reached out to him like, you're not going to believe this, but I'm in Dubuque, Iowa, and you and I have a lot in common. Um, so it was, it was, it was pretty good. Um, the, um, yeah, the care and prevention, th- those classes kind of came out of nowhere. It was, you know, I got a phone call from um, that program director and their athletic trainer at the university that had a master's that was teaching those classes had left. He's actually practicing in uh, South, Southern Wisconsin, not Southwestern okay. Wisconsin, Southern Wisconsin. Um, and, and, and their program director was kind of in, in a pinch and he had, you know, 10 days to find an athletic trainer to teach care and prevention. 
um, not just an athletic trainer, but an athletic trainer with a master's to be able to teach. Sure, sure. Um, and so I, I, I had in my head that I thought it would be cool or, or enjoyable maybe to teach, um, but I wasn't expecting to teach, you know, let alone two classes mm -hmm. in the middle of the fall. Um, so the fall was, was pretty busy and, I, and I'm super, you know, fortunate for my wife because um, she, she picked up a lot of you know, slack, if you will. Um, I had to work a lot. And it was like, once the kids went down, it was, you know, an hour of, of class prep. And um, yeah, super thankful for her because um, I wouldn't be where I'm at right now with my career if, if, it, if it weren't for her. So, I mean, that's, yeah, so that's where I'm at right now. It's a uh, winter season. Um, athletics are in full swing. I have, uh, you know, one student from, from each uh, preceptor and then, and then those six credits going. So, um, it's, uh, it's pretty, it's pretty, pretty chaotic right now. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, like I said, I just switched offices. So, um, I switched before the academic semester started. So I'm still learning a new electronic health record system, trying to, you know, transition my patients over. So, um, it's, um, it's good. It keeps me, it keeps me fresh and, um, keeps me, keeps me, keeps me busy. Sounds like it. Um, boy. So you answered a lot of the questions that I had. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and I, I, that was kind of my goal. Um, uh, but not to necessarily knock you off your. No, your that, and that's, that's totally fine. Cause I came up with a few more along the way. Um, one I, with the upper cervical, we'll come back to that in a second. I just, to compare it to somebody else um a different technique that somebody here has locally but we'll come back to that um i had the same kind of sense when i was talking to ken you know just about like man what a cool and unique skill set to bring to athletic training like you know just the knowledge base like you had referenced about like neurology and all the different things that we just there's just not enough time in any athletic training education program to get to that depth and the impact that can have for your patient care, how great that is. But ultimately, I guess one of the questions is I had, and I think it could be interesting, just given the job market for athletic training now, it's kind of its own unique thing. I looked at going to chiropractic school after my master's program because I wasn't finding the job that I really wanted to go and you know move for but going into student debt that much further scared the crap out of me, which kept me away from it. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. but, you know, the, knowing that there's these other athletic trainers that have done it, you know, yourself and, you know, still going through where you're able to find this balance of your, the secondary school AT, which is a heavily demanding position, yet still being able to use your chiropractic degree. So it's not like you just picked it up for however many tens of thousands of dollars and that was it what I mean, what advice or like guidance would you give to an AT that's maybe going to be finishing up their MSAT isn't finding the job that they want out there wants a higher value or is thinking about going back to school sure yeah so I mean uh, I feel like they're kind of a loaded kind of loaded loaded thing there um sure. I'm, I'm in a super unique situation. So I would say, and I don't know the numbers and maybe you would have a better interpretation of it. 
the number of athletic trainers in the secondary school that are outreach versus owned by the district. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that, and I don't know, I could be wrong. You know, those that work for the big, you know, PT companies, I, I can't imagine that my position exists if I'm an outreach athletic trainer in that setting. Okay. Because I don't, I can't imagine that that school, sorry, not school, because the school would probably hire me, right? Sure. But I don't think that the PT company or orthopedic company or hires, me, yeah. hires me to, to perform those services if I'm also a chiropractor and I'm opening up my own office over there, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. So I'm, I'm unique in that, like my school district owns me. Um, they are my number one. They, uh, I, anything that I do additionally, uh, you know, I go straight to my HR manager. Um, she's super awesome. Um, her, her daughter was my athlete. We have a great relationship. And it, the minute before I even post anything on social media, she gets an email and it's like, just so you know, I'm about to post this. It has nothing to do with my position at the school district. I'm forever going to honor, you know, what it is, my contract to you. Um, and so that I think is, 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 is kind of a dilemma uh, because if you go to, you know, and I don't know, cause I don't, I don't know the full dynamic of, of athletic training across the country, but from what I've seen and experienced as an out, outreach athletic trainer and knowing friends that are outreach athletic trainers, I don't think my job can, can, my career as it is right now can exist in a situation that I'm not a school district employee. So that's number one. So go from, from MET to something else um, to create more value for themselves that, I mean, super tough, super tough position. Um, Going to chiropractic school or PT school or PA school, uh, you have to just sit down as a business person and say, is this, I mean, just like, just like you did, Joel, like, do I want to put myself in debt and am I going to recoup that money? Um, and I feel like that was something that I may not have fully done before I went, um, because I was, I was just like, yeah, this is what I want to do. Um, but I think we need to do a better job and I have, and I have, I have some really, um, close PT friends in town. Uh, I'm super, I would not, not to say that I'm super unique, but I, I refer to PTs all the time, both in my athletic training practice and my chiropractic practice. I don't care. I don't care who you are. I want you to help me and help my student athlete get better. End of story. I mean, that's just, that's how I operate. Mm-hmm. I also am married to a PT. So that kind of also helps nix, nix that like, well, how are you a, a, an athletic trainer in the PT? Like, da, 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 whatever, right. whatever. I don't, I don't do that. Like you want to talk that it doesn't exist in my life. I've, I can't relate to you. Um, that, that if, if talking with, with my PT friends, the, same thing. I mean, PT schools getting expensive. Undergrads getting expensive. So you have to be able to create the lifestyle that you want to exceed if you're putting yourself in that much debt to get to what you want. So if you're going to finish an MAT program, 
and you feel the need that you need to go on beyond, which is fine and fair. I'm not going to tell you to not. But you better make sure that you're going to maintain the lifestyle that you want to, you know, even with income-based repayment and everything else, uh, as far as, you know, refinancing your student loans, you know, you need to make sure that you're going to, you're going to be able to afford the lifestyle that you want to get. Um, so don't just put yourself in debt for another degree, um, unless it's going to get you where, where you want to be. If that, that. No, I, I, that's great advice and you know just again something to consider for people that are different at different stages in their career and for sure and actually um i just just to continue on that i have uh i had a she graduated last year she took a a bunch of community college classes she took a bunch of ap classes so she is a freshman this year she will be able to enter the mat I don't know if it's next year or at her junior year. So she'll graduate her four year, I believe her four year, maybe uh, I would assume four um, with her MAT. And she, you know, just emailed me again today and was like, I love the idea of being a dual credential ATPT. And I'm like, little do you know that there is thousands of them out there because, because of how it used to be. Right. But she is thinking, well, I'm going to have a master's of athletic trainer and I'm going to be a doctor of physical therapy. And I'm like, well, yeah, you're, you're going to be unique, right? You're going to have a super awesome skill set. And I graduated. So with being in that, that program that had dual credential, I graduated, my graduating class at 11, four of us didn't go into that PT program. So seven of our 11 are dual credentials. So I have them you know, I have, I have tons of dual credential colleagues, um, ATPT, sure. uh, you know, that the, the few DCAT yep, um, yep. interact with. So. No, I think that's good. Um, the chiropractic question I had, so I only remember this because I got lambasted by this person. Uh, they were talking about Nuka. Yeah. Is okay. that? Let's talk about it. Yeah. yeah. I'm just curious, you know, because again, for whatever reason, at least in our area, it seems like there's either a bar, a church, or a chiropractic office on every other corner. Yeah. Uh, for whatever reason, I don't know how we have so many in an area. You can't, drop, you can't drop kick a football in my city without in a chiropractic office. Like it's a hundred thousand. Yet all of these chiropractors seem to be doing phenomenally, which is great, and I'm happy for them. Plus, we have two major health systems, and trust yeah. me we're busy in sports medicine as well so apparently but anyway um that this was the first time i had come across uh this upper cervical and so i was just asking out of sheer curiosity you know based on what you're studying is is are they similar are they very different um just again more more curiosity than anything sure so so um so nuke is is what i what i studied so um, it stands for the National Upper Cervical Chiropractic Association, um, and and they um, so there's there's a handful. I would let's say there's a a dozen upper cervical techniques. Um, and when you look at just the general the general chiropractic techniques, one of our one of our professors who is a chiropractic historian or he's a part of the the board of the chiro, like chiropractic history. I can't remember his appropriate title, but. He had said that they're right now, this is when I was in school in 2018, 
there were 205 active techniques and active techniques meant that they met certain requirements. And one of the requirements is that they had an annual conference. So okay. you, I mean, to put together an annual conference, you, there's a lot of commitment there. So, I mean, there's a handful, if not four times that of, you know, techniques that exist that might not, might not meet their career, like their criteria of sure. being within that 205. So Nuka is awesome. There are, 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 are tremendous uh, Nuka chiropractors out there. And, and so I was, I was studying Nuka. I met, um, I met the, the guys up in Rochester. I'm going to name drop. Um, uh, Callan Stittleberg is in, in Rochester, uh, Minnesota. Okay. And he was one of my rugby players. And I, he kept talking about it. You got to learn Nuka. You got to learn Nuka. And everyone always just would make fun of him, right? They're like, oh, he's the he's the crazy guy on the corner talking about like how a C1 adjustment can fix anything. Sure. So I say to him, I'm like, all right, man, I'll do it. Like, I want to learn about it because I want to be a chiropractor. That's going to be open and willing to refer to people. If I, if I find that that services is worthwhile. So prior to me getting under care with him, I dropped a PR uh, power clean it I I didn't get my left hand racked it bounced off my shoulder my hand went out my elbow hit my knee and the bar was on my fingers and took it down into my hip and my fingers went numb I was sitting there another another you know chiropractic student looked at me and she was like are you okay and I'm like don't I'm like hey super embarrassed right like shouldn't have dropped that but um b i mean everything went wrong right i mean that's the world of athletics like mm -hmm. you're in a situation that you might be as prepared as you think you are and still something can go wrong so my hand is is like legitimately all five fingers numb for four or five minutes and then it starts to come back so three weeks later i get under care with with callan and there was another student in there with me um um oh gosh i'm picturing her i hope hopefully i'll continue this story and her name will come back to me but um so so within upper cervical uh they take x-rays and, and when you when you think about x-rays there's you know positional distortion and, and other things that come into play that um that they're able to to eliminate based off of how we're, our posture is so nuka for example uses a a charted line uh um like picture behind you so if you're sitting there and you're and you feel or you're like yeah i feel i feel good like this is what normal feels like well we would be able to see that your right ear is an inch or inch and a half lower than your left ear so when we put you then in the x-ray unit and i say the collective we i don't practice nuke anymore but when we put you in the x-ray chair we're going to line you up like exactly how you think or your body perceives neurologically perceives you uh, are standing in space. So when we then take a picture of this or they then take a picture of this, I'm gonna start using the word they because I don't practice Nuka. Uh, when they take a picture of this, they can see then how the spine, uh, the, the C1, oh, sorry, C1, C2, and then the skull, how that relationship is. 
and 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 more importantly, like we're, they're not talking about bones. They use the bones as a lever, but what they're really looking at is how that spinal canal is, because the it affects the neurology of the brainstem as it's coming down. So we they're able to we they they are able to look at postural distortions via cranium c1 c2 neck and they pretty much refer to c2 through c7 as neck that if there's a distortion there through the reticular formation in the brainstem can affect the paraspinals of the entire back so you can see a pelvic rotation you can see a pelvic lift you can see an anterior posterior tilt you're going to see a functional maybe not necessarily structural, but functional leg length change. Uh, and you might see that extra rotation in a, in a hip into the foot or hip into the foot. So um, it's tremendously powerful things. If you have an opportunity to go and shadow a Nuka doctor's office, you will be astounded by the miracles that happen in that office. And I don't mean to be like, oh, they're miracle healers. <laughs> I kid you not, some of the wildest, wildest stories of people getting relief have been while people are, people are in, in, um, in a, a, a NUCA, National Upper Cervical Chiropractor Association's office. Um, the one lady, and I don't want to give too many details because it, you know, I don't want to even skate on, on the, uh, the tales of, of a HIPAA violation, but the one lady had a parachuting accident she uh, she broke C1, C2, C3, had to have them wired together. She broke both legs, was literally ready to commit suicide, like ready to commit suicide. And her last stop was into this chiropractic office and her pain went from 10 out of 10 to three out of 10. And that mm -hmm. was six years ago. And she literally, she was telling me a story and she was just in tears. Because, and she, and she even, when she had the consult with the doctor and the doctor was even getting teared up a bullet, the doctor had to call somebody who was like, I don't, I don't know if I can help you, you know, just based off of what had happened. Um, and then that, that doctor's mentor was like, like, she's not fused. There's probably a little bit of movement there. Um, and so the worst that can happen is, is that, you know, it doesn't help her. So the, the difference between that adjustment in a traditional chiropractor or, you know, that, um, that cracking, twisting, popping adjustment is that it's a, it's a, off of those x-rays, they derive a vector of misalignment. So they know exactly which way that they want to press. They have the position, the patient, patient position in the perfect position. And then they deliver a very soft, gentle, uh, correction. And so, it, people look at it and they're like, that's, it's wild. So my experience of it, I drop that power clean. I get my first adjustment. I'm laying on the table and my hand is on fire, like literally on fire. And I, I'm like laughing. And so I'm, I'm telling this story to my doc, to, to my student doctor. And I'm like, you're not going to believe this. And they're like, what? I'm like, three weeks ago, I hurt this hand and my hand is on fire the exact same sensation it was when I did that three weeks ago. And they were kind of like, 
okay, cool. <laughs> like they, <laughs> they weren't worried about it. I'm like kind of freaking out about it. I'm like, what do you, what do you mean? Okay, cool. Like, my hand is on fire. So then <clears throat> my, um, I, um, three, three years before chiropractic school, I have a, I, ha- I had a, a pretty nasty scar. Mm-hmm. Uh, so later that night I'm sitting in my apartment and I'm studying and I felt like spiders were crawling up my arm. And so I kept like hitting my arm, hitting my arm. And it was, it was, it was pretty, it was pretty much a keloid. Like it was raised like discolored or like darkened, like very sure. difficult. It hurt to stretch my arm out. It hurt to do any soft tissue on it. it was like doing literally everything that I knew to try to get it better. And it just wasn't doing anything. I get that adjustment five hours later, my, like, I felt like I had like, I literally just tinglies. I kept hitting my arm and I finally took my sweatshirt off. And I'm like, the scar had opened up like, it had new, uh, red, deep, uh, striations in it. Like it stretched out mm. and was healing. I mean it, so right there, I was like, I need to right. know more. I need to know more. Like it was, it was, I mean, it was wild to me. I just, I, I couldn't believe it. And so that was when I was like, this is what I'm gonna do. Like, this is what I want to do. Um, and I, and I, I, kind of ventured out. I looked at AO that Atlas orthogonal talking about Dr. Scott Rosa. Um, and actually, you know, rest in peace, the guy that invented it, I, he just passed this past week. Um, I want to say he was 93 years old. And the last I heard he was still in practice because he loved, you know, he loved caring for people and people drove to Atlanta to go to his office and to get, and to get care from him. Um, it was, um, a pretty unique experience. I met him, I want to say in 2017, um, at the, at the annual Atlas orthogonal, uh, conference. Um, and he was still at that time, I want to say he was probably late eighties and he was still treating patients. Um, so yeah, I mean, upper cervicals is tremendously powerful. Um, and it's, it's one of those things that like we, I have an Atlas orthogonal doctor in town. Um, the next closest AO or, uh, the next closest Nuka doctor, I want to say, is in Madison, and she's super awesome. And actually, I've had, you know, I've had patients at my chiropractic office that have almost been like, like, you probably should go drive up to Madison this year. Sure. Um, I know that there's there there's a, a doctor in your area in Toma. Okay. That, that is, I mean, he is lights out. I shadowed him four or five times. Um, and, and if, if I ever had anybody in your area that, you know, was, was troubling with struggling with, with concussions or, or, you know, back pain that just wouldn't, wouldn't sort itself out. I mean, he would be the first person that I would, I would send people. I mean, he's just, um, I mean, just absolute, absolute guru in his trade. Um, and in, in his, is fantastic. I appreciate you going into it. I was, always have been curious, but never went and checked it out. Uh, we have a Nuka practitioner in our area, and yeah, it's was just had never really dug into it. And yeah, yeah, it's and it's one of those things when you think about it, you're like it sounds so outlandish, right? That you wouldn't consider it, but I like 
in my experience, you know, if you find the, the good, like the, the right doctor for you and the, and, the, and the thing that works for you, you know, run with it. Um, their treatment protocols is just a little bit different than what I would say is, you know, traditional, right? And that um, <clears throat> they would, you know, see their patient for the, their initial visit and then they will, you know, follow up. But typically those follow-ups get further and further and further. Sure. Um, which is super awesome. Um, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't see my patients for three times a week for 16 weeks. Um, you know, and I don't, I don't see that those doctors do that either. And I don't know if I necessarily model what they do onto what, how I operate or what, but, um, yeah, just the utmost respect for, for that, that community. Um, cause they are, they are tremendous and, you know, for the right, for the right reason, eh, there's no reason why you're, you're not going to them. Awesome. Well, thank you for the yeah. information there. Yeah. Um, the first time I've actually been able to talk about it for like three years. Cause I don't <laughs> practice. <laughs> Anything else that we haven't covered around being a DC AT, uh, that you'd like to, before we jump into the clinic or the athletic training chat questions. Um, no, I don't think so. I think, I, I think maybe the, the one thing that I'm, I'm a little bit disheartened about and, and I take it with a grain of salt because I just assume I'm not in that party, but the, the, I feel like the athletic training world in, in general, a little bit of, I wouldn't say not necessarily disrespect but lack of respect for what chiropractors are capable of. Um, and so we had within going through the, the questions that um, you had prepared for the, for the podcast, one of the things that I wanted to share was um, for athletic trainers to get out and actually know their, their chiropractor. Mm -hmm. So instead of, instead of actually like, you know, turn around and going to Twitter and, and complaining about, you know, this chiropractor wants to see my athlete for 12 visits and, they said that they can't do X, Y, and Z. Go meet them. You know, like that chiropractor might not know that you're even in that athlete's life and let alone know what, the, know what you're capable of. Chiropractic started in the early 1900s. I don't, I don't know necessarily the history of athletic training, but there are a lot of, there are a lot of DCs that would have gone to school before a lot of athletic trainers were even in their area. You know, so there might be an athlete or a, a chiropractor in his 60s or 70s that has no idea what an athletic trainer is, and he knows how to fix things. And sometimes fixing things can take a little time. And so when they get that, well, I got to go see him for 12 visits, or I got to go see him for three or four weeks. Like, sometimes things take time to heal. And, and instead of, you know, going on social media and complaining about it, introduce yourself to that chiropractor. Go explain what you do and explain how you can be a resource to them. Um, and I, I would assume that when you do that meeting, they're going to have that same relation or same conversation with you. They're going to explain what they can do to help you uh, and, and, and help you get your athletes better. Um, I, that, I feel like that's the, the most difficult line that I, I currently carry with my, with my role is that, I hear that and I want to fight it and I don't know how to. Um, 
because chiropractors aren't all bad, right? They're, don't get me wrong, everybody's got their bad, their, their bad apples, um, but, but they're not all out there to remove athletes for a month because of X, Y, or Z, or, you know, take athletes out of play. That's just how they treat, you know, and, and, and I, I don't think it's any different than a PT company that says, well, we got prior authorization for 16 visits. So we're going to use every 16, we're going to use every single visit. So if that means we're going to burn those 16 visits in, in 30 days, or are we going to spread those, those 16 visits out over six months and make sure that you actually get back to your sport? You know, those are two, I think, two both bad apples of the or of the PT and chiropractic world, but there's tons of great chiropractors and there's tons of great PTs out there. And if you're not building the relationships, you're doing yourself a disservice and you're doing your, your athlete a disservice. Yeah, I think that last point is so important. Uh, my like initial professional introduction to a chiropractor was a very good one. Uh, when I was working track and field at a big university, was a former track he was a former track and field athlete there big art person yeah. that was like yeah. his specialty which vibes so well with obviously track and field um, so it was all soft tissue work and then adjustments if people wanted them but it wasn't just adjusting for adjusting sake so sure. you know, personally yeah. had a great interaction right off the bat then ran into a couple at another job that it it wasn't so great it was a lot of the you know, even though they had worked with the athletic department for years and knew what we were able to do, they were still doing a bunch of the same stuff there, which was ultimately being charged back. And, you know, things that didn't weren't, you know, they could have just had us do. But then I remember uh, my previous role coming in hot with an, a, or a chiropractor that wanted to volunteer to help, just wanted to make sure I had set the ground rules and um i ended up being one of my you know standing up in my wedding type of a deal you know yeah. just because the relationship was there and we were able yeah. to work and like he wasn't coming in to you know hey i'm high and mighty and i'm gonna fix everything it was a great compliment i learned a ton from him uh we've done you know stayed in touch uh obviously for a lot of things and so it, it is so much of just kind of finding those right relationships and finding that, those vibes really? as you said some are just going to come and probably want to, you know, just adjust as much as they possibly can and, you know, be the hero because people will get off the table and feel great for sure. 20 minutes or whatever it is till they go and screw it all up at practice. But sure. um, I think that is such an important point of, you know, establishing those relationships and how you can complement each other because um, everybody's busy. So if you can make it a way that yep. it's going to benefit both sides, that's the way to go. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, jumping into these AT chat questions. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> just looking at your your response to this first one, but also just from this conversation. Yeah. Where do you see athletic training going in the next five to ten years? Uh, I I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I can say this. Me neither. I'm like it. It it's so yeah. Being the preceptor for two programs, I don't know. I mean, and, and it's it's super hard. I was just on, on the phone with my mentor, my athletic training mentor, who is now transitioned from, you know, D3 athletics into, um, the, uh, industrial setting. And he, he had already kind of predicted that when we transitioned, we were going to have a drop in, in 
in athletic trainers. And so he went to his higher ups and was like, we need to recruit and we need to recruit hard now because in four years or five years, it's going to be impossible to find athletic trainers. And, and I feel like that's where we're at. Um, I'm fortunate that I don't have to fall under that anymore. Right. I'm not in that outreach shedding. I don't have to do any, any recruitment anymore. Um, but one of, uh, I, I got to meet him and I've over this last year because our, our teams got to play each other. Um, and we've interacted a little bit on social media, the Iowa, uh, athletic training society president, Jason Veal, um, is, is a, he's an outreach athletic trainer. And so he had said that they have multiple positions available that haven't been filled uh, and they're struggling to fill them. And then when you look at in the state of Iowa, and I don't know numbers exactly, but let's just say half of the programs didn't transition, which I think that's relatively accurate. And then you look at those programs that did transition now have half the number of graduates um, and I do know that that's true based off of what I've seen with the preceptor groups that, mm-hmm. uh, that I'm, I'm, I'm with right now, that we went from having and then having our, our, our athletic trainers in the state. So we will have a shortage of athletic trainers. So if you're in a high school setting or an outreach setting and you want to provide that service and you finally lock up that contract with that difficult school district, you might not find the staff to fill the position. Right. And that's, just, that's so unfortunate because people have done so much hard work uh, trailblazing the path to finally get an athletic trainer in every high school. And it's just unfortunately not going to happen because we don't have the athletic trainers to be on the ground. So I don't know. I don't know. In 10 years, I don't know. <laughs> That's my, my personal opinion on it. Like, I hope some ATEP, you know, people don't get upset with me about it, but that's just what I've, what I've seen and, and what I've hear, heard from colleagues um, and what I'm seeing as a preceptor. Yeah, that traditional setting, it seems like, you know, the, the goal to have everybody, you know, every high school have an AT is absolutely a goal that should be met, but and I don't disagree with that. I absolutely right. being in this setting and, and being in my current role, I, every high school, whether if, if you're at a small high school that can't afford it, if you have an, if you have an athletic trainer, I don't agree with the ones I shouldn't say I don't agree, but I don't think that it's a great service that, that you're only stopping in for an hour a week. Right. Like, I sure. don't, I don't sure. think that that's doing anybody a service. And even as a, as, even as an outreach, like that's not great PR, like they don't care about us to stick around for longer than an hour, you know, but if you can make it work where you're there for an entire evening, just to cover practices, and it's not even about covering practices. Again, going back to the building relationships that, that you're just, you're there and you're visible and people know that you care and that you know that they know that you can help. Um, and so if you, if you end up covering four different high schools and you're there Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, you rotate, but they know that you care. They know that you're present and you're building those relationships. That's still better than nothing. Right. You know? Um, yeah. I just, I don't know. I don't know. Cause we're, I don't, I don't want to be a naysayer of the MAT program. 
Um, cause I'm sure that there are plenty out there. Um, but I also don't want our students, as we talked about previously, just about, you know, continuing, just talk about continuing from an MAT program and, and going on into another degree. I don't want our kids coming out with, with $150,000 worth of debt and taking sure. a $50,000 job. I mean, $50,000 to even start out. I mean, that would be a generous salary. And, and, yes, it would. Uh, and to be 150 to be at $50,000. I mean, that's just, nobody's, nobody's making that money back. You're in debt, right. you're in right. debt 25 years until your, your loans are forgiven and then you pay the tax bomb at the end of it. Yep, it will be interesting for sure. I hope I didn't offend anybody in my. <laughs> no, I, I think, I think yeah, it's all valid points. You know, and that was going to be kind of what I was going to say is, you know, within, I, again, I still don't know how secondary school ATs do it, but just the workload and the hours, even if they're not outrageous in terms of the amount, just the irregularity of them. Um, in my own personal, like, it was relatively well controlled when I was at the D3 level because we had a big enough staff. I was really busy during certain parts of the year that was understood, but then I could get back to a more normal in quote schedule. And now in my clinic role, it is the epitome of a normal schedule. And that's all I, you know, right? I just don't know that I'm ever going to want to go back from that just yeah. because I enjoy what I'm doing so much. And I think with this expansion of industrial and clinic, and everything that those are going to be the jobs that go because they tend to pay pretty well i'm making a little less money you know all, all said and done but my hourly rate if you were to break it down crushing it compared to what i was making before, and that's worth so and think, you're working with balance right it totally changes you're no longer nice absolutely yeah, yeah other than it's harder to schedule podcasts because I don't have as much freedom during my day when I've got a clinic. There schedule. we go. We, we got to get you full time doing podcasts. Right. right. <laughs> um, what advice would you give to yourself if you could go back um, when you were a younger athletic trainer? Um, <clears throat> I think the biggest thing, and in, in it's it's so my my counterpart over. So we, our school district has uh, has has two high high schools, and my counterpart um at the other high school i don't know if she's taking a vacation day in her life and and i and i take my vacation and she sure. she, she she gives it to me about it she's like oh brian's taking another vacation day brian's going to do this brian's going to do that and and that's really it like i think we get so involved with our sports and our uh in our careers that we don't we don't take time for ourselves um my after after I finished chiropractic school, um, my wife and I really agreed on that we did not spend as much time and money on our careers to not have fun, to not go see our friends, to not take time for ourselves. So um, when I first started out, I was I was exactly what I just talked about. Like I was like go go go, and and you all heard what I was able to accomplish or and i don't want to claim all of that success because it was largely not me it was because of the situation that i was in but if if you don't take time for yourself and i i hope that they are especially with you uh with with covid and, and how everything happened that like you have to take care of yourself if, if you're not taking care of yourself nobody else nobody else is 
Sure. And if, and if, if taking a vacation or taking a vacation day or even taking a Monday off to actually use your vacation and, and have some time for yourself or to get caught up on cleaning the house or, or caught up in, in, in taking care of errands, like super, super powerful. And I never did that. And I mean, I, I just, I didn't think anything of it. And I wish I would have, you know, taken a little more time to travel, not anything crazy, but just to go see friends. Like I'm going to take a, a Monday off because I worked Friday and I'm driving to Chicago to, to hang out with a friend so that I'm not coming back Monday and, and frantically trying to get back into the swing of things like take Monday to recoup. You had, you, you know, I enjoyed my weekend, like take Monday to, you know, get a good workout in, make sure that my, I'm ready for my week and then, and then go about my week as it is. Um, I, I, that's the, the biggest one. And that, everybody's in very unique situations, right? Like financially and, and, you know, PTO, if you even get it and vacation time and all that. And you might work for an institution that says that you're not able to take time off during the season and that might be fine. But the minute you're done, turn off your phone, do not be available and, 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 t- you know, go on a road trip, like take, take that time for yourself um, to get away from athletic training because you can't love something and, and, and be by it, by it all the time. Like you have to get away to miss it a little bit to be like, yeah, that's what I want to do. And if you're so ingrained in athletic training and in working for your teams and working for your institution that you don't take time for yourself, you're just, you're going to be broken. And then, and, and, you know, it happens all the time, right? We have athletic trainers that don't, they don't make it. And, and by don't make it, they just leave. They leave completely. Yep. And, and unfortunately, some of those talk super bad about our profession because they weren't able to balance work life. Well said. What has been the most influential resource you have found in your career? Um, I kind of hinted toward it already. Um, having mentors. <clears throat> so uh, during undergrad, I had... Um, um, I had a mentor and he might be mad that I'm going to name, name drop him, but Andy occasion, um, he was, um, he was at the university of Dubuque while I was a priest. He was my preceptor while I was a student. He had just, um, finished a GA position at Syracuse. Um, so he worked with Tim Neal before Tim Neal had re- retired. Um, and those that are listening, I mean, if you don't know, you know Tim Neal was, a a pillar of athletic training from what I heard at least through Andy. Um, And he was brutal on me. I mean, absolutely brutal. Um, You know, he, he, depending on, depending on the way you looked at it, it was, it was, I wouldn't say it was like borderline abusive because that would, that's not (laughs) appropriate, but there were days that I was like, dude, I'm going to, I'm going to swing at you. Like you say one more thing about me, I'm going to swing it. And, and, it was, it was rough. I, as a senior failed that rotation and it's, it's super, it's super funny to me because I tell students that and they're like, you failed a rotation. Right. And, and, uh, super funny. The entire, uh, uh, clinical rubrics were re wrote off of that situation so and, and andy wasn't wrong and, and i really don't it, like based off of what they you know what the institution had available and how i was performing i failed and hmm. it had nothing to do with because 
clinical preceptors fell into this. You were a sophomore, so you got graded this. You were a junior, yep. you got yep. graded this. You were senior. And he looked at it and he was like, no, oh, he's really like right here, which is below average. It was above average in a few things, but the majority of things was below average. And, and if it weren't for that kick in the butt, I don't know if I'd be doing what I'm doing right now. So right after that, um, he, I just, I real, I, I had realized what he had done for me, right? It was super funny. Like, he's like, yeah, you got a, you know, a 40% on your, on your clinical experience. And I turn around like a, uh, uh, like a, a beat puppy. And I'm like, what else can I do? You know? And I literally was, it was, what, what can I do to get better? And so he and his wife, Sarah, uh, were, were tr- tr- tremendously uh, influential in my career. Um, when I, when I was about to apply to PT school, he was the one that I sat down with and it was super funny. And when I tell this story to the day, it's, it's crazy that it still sits true. We are sitting down, we were, uh, we were having a, having a beer and, and eating nachos at a restaurant. And he's like, Brian, what's the worst that happens? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm in a tre- tremendous amount of debt. Like, I don't know. And he was like, you'll always be an athletic trainer. And I'm like, yeah. And this is, so this is when I sat down for this, it wasn't immediately after my experience with him. It was after I had already done well in the athletic training world. And he was like, you will always be, you will always be an athletic trainer. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Whatever. That's not my goal. Right. Or at least that wasn't my goal. Um, and, and, and he was exactly right. I mean, I'm literally sitting here right now telling you about how awesome it is that I'm a high school athletic trainer. <laughs> um, and then, and, 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 and then the same rate, uh, when I was at chiropractic school, my mentor there was a dual credential athletic trainer, chiropractor, okay. uh, Dr. Rainier Pavlicek. And he, uh, was out, uh, was from out West. Um, he went to, I believe, Washington University, and he covered some um, covered some high school stuff before he ended up in Palmer um, and Davenport. And, and for him, I think for him in my life was more of a, like, just hear me out. You know, like I needed someone that I could resonate or that I could relate to in an unknown world, because as an athletic trainer at chiropractor school, and I don't, I don't want to say that I'm above any chiropractor, like I'm a chiropractor, but when I was there, it was very difficult to relate to their clinical experiences versus mine. And going through the chiropractic curriculum was extremely difficult to me because I was allowed to practice outside as I currently was. But the minute I was there, I was not allowed to do anything. And it was extremely frustrating. Um, and I had to just abide by the rules and he was super beneficial of just here's how it needs to operate. And, and if it weren't for him, I would have gone just bananas during chiropractic school because he really kept me grounded. Um, and it was, it was a super awesome, super awesome relationship. So get a mentor. If you don't have a mentor, find one, don't force it, find somebody that you have a good relationship with, be genuine with them. Um, yeah, that would, that would be my, I couldn't, I wouldn't be anywhere without those two, those two guys. Perfect. As an AT in your role, how do you take care of yourself? 
Um, I think it's, I think it's all about balance. And I've, I feel like I've already kind of touched on this. It's, it's, uh, I'm a father of two. Um, my wife has her own professional, professional career. Um, and it's really just about that. I mean, just balance work-life balance between both of us. We both have to manage, excuse me, we both have to manage doing, you know, continue that on the weekends. Um, we both have to manage our, our kids, our kids' lives. Um, and that for me, I think is, 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 is the, the easiest thing. So we've kind of transitioned. I don't, you know, I, I clearly don't get, <clears throat> I don't get that hour and a half workout that I used to get when I was single. Um, I might be riding, you know, 10, 15 pounds heavier than I, than I want to be. My squat is probably hundred pounds less than I want it to be, but, um, you know, just trying to maintain that, like stay healthy, uh, stay, stay mentally healthy, um, you know, create good relationships when you're, when you're in your work site so that it's not stressful. Athletic training is stressful, like working in athletics, it's stressful. But you can eliminate stress by creating relationships so that people trust you. Um, I wasn't super familiar with wrestling uh, when I when I went to Hempstead, and their program's strong. Um, and it, to be honest, it was a little intimidating to to be a part of their program. And like they're all fantastic guys. And it wasn't until I really got to know them that it was. And maybe a little bit of them feeling me out, but we have a super awesome, super awesome relationship. I'm like totally rocking, you know, yeah. DH right now. Um, it, it, it's, it's, it's all about making sure that people know who you are and how you operate and, and having that respect. And if you don't have that respect with what you're doing, you're going to create more stress. And then that stress then transitions to, you can't, you can't get away from stress in the work, work life. Because the minute you go home, you can't, you can't unwind because you know, you're going to return to that to the next day. So that's, that's number one. Number two is just that, that work-life balance with my wife. Um, we do a tremendous job of, of balancing, you know, our kids, our kids' lives, making sure that we're still being good parents uh, while, while still maintaining our, our own careers. Absolutely. If you could change or eliminate one thing, it could be a modality, a common practice, a mindset, or whatever you choose in the field of athletic training. What would it be? Oh, is this is this like the is this where people get all fired up, right? Like, like am I gonna? Some, I, some people will come out with some, some different things. Some of them are very tame. You know, it, it varies. Uh, there's been. I um. I think modality ones that are good. And then there's a lot more bigger picture ones that have been good. Yeah. I don't, I don't modalities. I don't, I don't don't get, I don't get excited about modalities. Like if if you want to be slinging e-stim on everybody, great. If you want to (laughs) be, if you want to be slapping an ice bag on everything, I got no problem with it. I'm like, uh, hashtag no ice camp. I mean, I'm, I'm there. Um, I have a pretty awesome picture with Gary Reno. If you haven't read his book, um, I've talked to Gary many a times. I have, I have a pretty awesome picture with Gary in, in Indianapolis. I want to say in 2015, um, and it was wild. I, I want to kind of just talk about that story for just a second. So Gary is in. So he's he's marketing the Mark Pro, yep. and that he's at Nada, and he's in like the back corner right nobody else is there like and i shouldn't say nobody right there's other vendors 
the only people that came to talk to him were professional athletic trainers. So I'm sitting there, I'm, I'm now a, a, you know, director of athletic training sports performance for this small hospital in Wisconsin. And I have my staff there and we're talking to Gary and he's showing us all about the Mark pro and we're there for 45 minutes and he's got it hooked up on me. And, um, uh, uh, I want to say the state, the saints athletic training staff walked by the, uh, the, um, Anaheim, um, the ducks mm-hmm. came by and then, oh gosh, I'm, uh, I, I'm, I apologize for dropping his name. I, I don't know if he listens to the podcast or not, the head athletic trainer for the Minnesota Vikings. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. He, he walks by and I love, I follow him on Twitter and he always does, um, he does donut club and I love yep. donut club. I do Saturday morning, or I did uh, try to do Saturday morning donut clubs. Yep, in my yep. And he walks by, and I'm like, I like literally say to my staff, I'm like, do you not see who's who's coming and talking to him? And like, nobody else cares about this guy except for the pros. Why do the pros care about this guy? Because he knows what he's talking about. You know, and, and he was super well-respected. That whole thing was was super crazy. So, like, yeah, if you want to live in an ace, whatever, I don't care. Um, if I, It still has its place. Like, there's plenty of times where I'm like, okay, well, let's get you a nice bag. We'll see you tomorrow. Sometimes it goes back to that you just need a little time, and that ice bag is the time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I think – Maybe did I don't I don't want to reiterate or, or totally go back over the topic, but if there were one thing that I could that I could eliminate, it would be that like that stigma of of assumption that all chiropractors are bad or that all PTs are bad, or that if somebody goes to massage therapist and they don't go to you that they're bad. It's it's not it's not that simple. And, and I hope that as athletic trainers, we can start to appreciate that our athletes are just trying to do what's best for them and that we need to look at what's best for them, not necessarily our ego. When I first started, it was, if I couldn't fix it, no one could, mm-hmm. right? And, and that's totally not the case. I mean, I, this is my 11th season as an, as an athletic trainer. This is my third third year of being a chiropractor and there is still stuff that pops into my office that I'm like I have no idea and it's just you you just you just you work with the protocols or the systems you've established and if if you can't help them you need to find them somebody that can and sometimes that might be a chiropractor that might be a manipulation that might be an adjustment that might be a that might be a PT or chiropractor doing uh, doing dry needling. That might be somebody performing some sort of, you know, what you would consider outlandish technique. If it helps the patient, awesome. Let's stop ostracizing the people because you don't agree with what's going on because you don't know. I'm not through. I really think that that's what it comes back to is is people don't know. And now they're creating this idea in their head that they're wrong and they're right. And it's just, it's just, it's not, it's not right. You know, and it's, and it ultimately what it comes back to is it's not best for the patient. Mm-hmm. Well said. Um, last question. What does being an athletic trainer mean to you? Oh, 
it's it's um it's me you know i i i don't i know i'm a chiropractor and i know i have other credentials besides but that's not like i that's how i resonate i resonate as an athletic trainer and it's you know what do you do as an athletic trainer it's you you help people function at their most optimum state um and so when i look at what i do at the high school and, and this is literally what i said to him in my interview like my goal here is to help kids experience their athletics at the best of their ability 100 percent of the time within reason right like if you're a concussion we're, we're out for a little bit but if you have if you have shin splints i want you to function at 90 percent you know like you 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 might be running through shin splints but i want you to function at 90 percent can i get you to function at 95 percent with a day off yeah maybe but if 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 you got a race and we need to work then we need to work and and athletic training is is giving that edge to our athletes to 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 operate or function when they might not have been able to otherwise that we give them a chance to be successful when when they when they couldn't without us um and i don't i don't take any of my athletes success for my own i I originally kind of felt that, you know, going to state championships. And uh, when I was in Wisconsin, you know, won a ring with the girls basketball team. And it was, it was super cool, but that wasn't my experience. That was their experience. And I, I was super happy that they were able to have that experience because I might have helped them get there. Love it. I think that's a refreshing way to look at it. Um, when it comes to kind of those things, I always, I had to be a part of a national championship. I, it wasn't my national championship. I didn't run the race. Yeah. I ran a little bit trying to chase people around the course just to walk. <laughs> sure, sure, no, sure. I got to be a part of it. Um, yeah. You and, know, and it's not to say that you weren't right. I mean, you probably did a, a, you know, rehab with the majority of those, the majority of those, of those athletes. And they even touch on that. I mean, I had, the Hempstead uh, girls cross country won, won a state championship. And of that starting lineup, there were a handful that were regulars in my office. And I don't, I don't take credit for their performance because it was their engine, right? Mm-hmm. It was their motivation, but I was able to keep them running. I was able to keep them training. So there was that success for me, but that's not my, that's not my state championship. Yep. I like that. Um, before we finish up, if people wanted to connect with you, um, or follow you, what would be the best way for them to do that? Obviously we'll sure. on this up. Yeah. So, um, I, uh, I'm on Facebook, um, Dr. Brian Regan. Um, I don't know. I, ooh, I don't, I don't know exactly what the handle is on the, on the other side of it. Um, you got it in there. I'll, I'll, I'll link it up. Okay. So okay. And then, um, and then I, I'm on Twitter, um, singing DCATC, um, singing underscore. Um, so that goes back to the whole performing arts thing. Nice. Uh, I, um, I did study voice during undergrad. So I did a handful of singing. I'm saying a, sang a handful of, of, um, of my friend's weddings and, um, 
done a few musicals, community theater at college. And so um, I don't do a lot of it anymore. Every once in a while, like I want to go out there and belt the national anthem. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't dabble anymore. Yeah, you, <laughs> a man of many talents uh, from what it sounds like, but well, I appreciate you taking the time. I'm glad we got to connect up on this. Uh, I found it fascinating. I think that there are some really great points for everybody to take away. So uh, looking forward yeah, to staying in touch. Absolutely, Joel. Thank you for your time. Appreciate it.